I'll be honest with you. Most people can't just do a whole life change. All right. Somebody like me. Yeah, I can change overnight because I have that type of discipline. I've done it. I've rapidly lost, you know, seven pounds in the last 11 days on this new diet, but not everybody's like that. So how do you, how do you do that? Well, number one. Leadership isn't about being an authority. It isn't about having charisma or being in control or knowing all the answers. So what does it mean to be a leader? That's what we're here to find out. I'm Nicholas, your host, founder of Eagle Transformational Coaching. Come and join us as we sit down with amazing leaders from all walks of life. Let's transform today's leadership into effective leadership here on the Life I Lead podcast. Well, 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 welcome to another edition of the Life I Lead podcast. I'm Nicholas, your host and founder of Eagle Transformational Coaching. You know, today we are joined by one of the most wonderful people I've met doing this podcast. We're joined by Caitlin Limas Portillo, and she's speaking to us from Costa Rica. She is the CEO of uh, Freedom Mastery, and she's going to talk to us about heart and soul in business, leading yourself in your life to empower yourself, learning to love yourself for who you are, a work ethic. She tells us about her Hollywood life and her musician's life and the work that she does now, working particularly with people in business to strategize how to create a a soul and a heart for business to create a a marketing that's born out of inspiration aspirations she talks to us about how we should gain a work ethic i've absolutely loved this interview um it's an honest frank account so don't be surprised by the wonderful rich language that caitlin shares with us but i hope as i did you find her infectious contagious and just give you a a zhuzh for life again uh, so sit back and i hope you enjoy listening to this as much as i enjoyed chatting during this amazing interview with caitlin so without further ado, let me bring Caitlin on to the microphone. Caitlin, thank you very much. You've stepped in when the schedule went a bit awry. Well, I'm speaking to you. I'm in London. You're in Costa Rica. Uh, so it's good morning to you. We appreciate you coming to the microphone and being with us. I've given a little introduction, but take this opportunity to tell us a bit about yourself and uh, what you're doing and where you are in your life at the moment. Uh, thank you for letting me step in um, to start with. I truly appreciate that. For, so thank you for letting me step in. Um, my name is Caitlin Lemus Portillo. Um, it is a rainy day in Costa Rica as we go into the rainy season. Um, I am a uh, gold and platinum award winning singer songwriter and I uh, left the music industry to start my own marketing firm. And um, essentially um, I invested in quite a few startups um, and that's really how the story goes. Um, now I'm married. I have an amazing husband. I have great children. Um, we now live full-time in Costa Rica. It's been a beautiful experience. I do not regret it at all. Uh, we started kind of getting ready for this move quite a while ago. Um, and my husband is from El Salvador. 
So he had retired from the United States military after almost 15 years active duty. Wow. And it was time for us to make a change. Um, so here we are. We own a tech firm, Freedom Automations, as well as a consulting firm and a one-on-one -on -one mentorship retreat company called Freedom Mastery. So it's been a really cool experience. And I, before we get on to before we get on to your companies now, I'm really intrigued, as everyone listening will be really intrigued about Hollywood, the glamour, the songs. Tell us a little bit about what drew you to it. And at what point did you say, do you know what? I'm ready for a pivot. I'm ready for a change. Yeah. So it started like before I have memories. So my parents said, you know, you were singing and writing before you really knew how to speak. You were trying to write songs and you were running around in your diaper singing and banging on instruments. My mother always had instruments around the house because her family was very musically inclined. And my grandmother did plays similar to kind of like Broadway and other things in the town and, and some cities around there. And she was a great singer. All of my cousins, my aunts and uncles played in, you know, the grand bands and other things like that and uh, tap danced and danced and, and, and ballet and all of that. Wow. And so I really followed suit to my mother's side of the family. And I can remember when I started having memories around like four or five years old, I felt this like pull to music and to write. And I remember years ago when I was really young, uh, there was a news reporter, I believe in the Lincoln Journal Star, who asked me, where do I get these ideas from as such a young child? And I said, I, I don't really think they're mine. I think like Source or God or somebody's giving uh -huh. me these amazing ideas and they're like downloading and I'm just writing them because I... I was um, writing about things that like maybe I hadn't even experienced yet, if that makes sense. Sure. And so, and they were, they were good, you know, they were really good. And so I realized, uh, you know, I had something there at a pretty young age and I was very passionate about it. It consumed every single part of me. Um, and I would learn all these different instruments. So I learned saxophone, I learned piano, I learned guitar. Um, I learned, you know, a little bit of the drums. I learned the bass guitar and I learned music theory and all of these things, you know, and this was at a very, very young age. So when I was six, seven and eight, I was really deep in. I was going to school full time. Um, my mom was a teacher at the school I was at and, um, I was just really, really dedicated to this. I made my parents buy me the mics, the karaoke machine, the different tapes, the the everything to practice and do. I was doing vocal lessons with instructors and trainers on a regular. You know, my parents were really cool with what I was trying to do. Yeah. And so I told my dad, you know, when I was really young, I said, man, I'm going to be on the radio someday. I'm going to do this. And he was like, well, that's, you know, that's like a one in a million thing that happens, kid. You know, like you're going to have to work really hard. And I remember thinking, okay, I'll just work really hard. So I called up my grandmother. So how it started was this. I always had a crazy work ethic for a kid. Um, it was kind of weird. And my brother did too. My brother, Kier, did too. So we started a local lawn mowing and snow shoveling company. <laughs> and for summers and winters, my brother and I were going around doing that ourselves. Just doing it ourselves at very young age. And um, we were making money. We were doing it. There was this woman, and I tell this story the same way every time because uh, other people on podcasts and, and you know TV have asked me this. There was a beautiful elderly woman named June. 
June had a lot of cats. She had a house that she owned and she had a sewing machine and she knew how to crochet and she had blank music sheets with the lines and everything and the bass and the treble clef already made. And then she had a couple things and instruments and songs. June was an elderly woman that my brother and I mowed, cleaned up the yard and scooped snow for, for years when we were really young. June told me you have a talent. My husband, Bill, who died, was a one-man band. He used to travel around the Midwest making money, doing parties, events, all this stuff. He has all this old music sheet notes and, you know, like God would want you to do this. And this woman, June, like kept pushing me to live my dream. And so what happened is she came to me one day when I was cleaning up her yard and mowing. And she said to me, Caitlin, there is a producer or a recording studio somewhere. Mm. It's near, up near, I think your grandmother, where your grandmother lives, the one that's into music, dance, all that. So I called my grandmother and I said, hey, grandma, like uh, June, this old lady that I do all these, you know, services for says there's a recording studio near you. You have a ranch that extends through like all these places you know everybody in a 150 mile radius do your research and you know what she did my grandma called all the people that would know anything about music in several different communities and they're like there's an old record store that this man owns so my grandmother calls the record store and says my granddaughter is looking for a recording studio and i know we're kind of in the middle of nowhere like can you give me a heads up the guy said, I think I know who you're talking about. Tell your granddaughter to call me. First of all, the guy had no idea I was eight years old. Wow. He thought I was like college, probably late high school age. So when I call, I'm like, hi, this is Caitlin Arner, <laughs> and my grandmother. And he's like, the first thing the guy said is, how old are you? I said, I'm eight, you know? And, and, and I, I, I remember being so like focused. I was just like, okay, sir. So moving forward, <laughs> um, do you know this producer? Is there a recording studio near you in O'Neill? And he said, I know a guy named Stan Furno. He is a chain smoking cigarette biker looking guy, but he's harmless. And he owns a recording studio and he does DJ jobs and events and weddings and stuff like that. And he gives me this guy's number. So I call Stan and he answers the phone and he's like, this is Stan. <laughs> and I'll, I, I can't make this up. And I'm like, hi, Stan. My name is Caitlin Harner. I'm eight years old and I want to sing and write music. And he's like, how old are you? where's your parents? <laughs> you know, like, why is this calling me? And I can hear his, his wife at the time in the back, like Debbie, she's like, what's, who is that? And he's like, this is Caitlin Harner. She's eight. She said she wants to be a star. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> you know? And so he's like, listen, have your dad or your parents call me when they get home from work and we can talk. So I wait all day for my dad to get home from work and he comes in the door I said, dad, there's a guy named Stan Furno in Stewart, Nebraska. And him and his wife said that like they have a recording studio and that you need to call him. And my dad, I remember he was just like, you're not going to give this up. Huh? I was like, no, there's no way I'm giving this up. Like I, I, I write and sing music and it's just, it's part of me. Like, let's do this. You know, I could probably make a living doing it. And this. you, you were very successful doing this for several years. Yeah. Yeah, I was. Yeah. And so I, you know. I, he called Stan. We got in there. Stan, uh, rest in peace. Amazing, amazing, amazing guy. He um, got me to Willie Nelson. I got to open and tour with Willie Nelson. 
um, for farm aid tours. It was amazing, absolutely life-changing. Um, and then eventually I met with an amazing manager in LA, Deborah Baum. She got me to, um, you know, quite a, a lot of placements. Then I worked with other people in the industry. I ended up getting some golden platinum records. It was really, really cool. Um, and I, you know, I, I grew up in LA basically. Once I was eight years old, everything really took off. And that was kind of the end of like my normal life. Um, and at that point, I was just like a full on working adult. Um, and I chose that. My parents did not pressure me into it. I really did choose that. Uh, fast forward. Um, I don't get too deep into this. And, you know, I'm not really sure if I'm interested in doing a tell all. I've already been offered some things, but I left the industry in my early 20s for a reason. I didn't have some big mental breakdown. I didn't get involved in drugs. There was just a lot going on. Yeah. Um, between older people and very young people. Yeah. And right. that's all I'm really going to say. All you need and, to say. Yeah. Yeah. And so at some point in time, I was like, I'm one of those younger people. <laughs> yeah. So it's time. Yeah. It's probably time to figure out how to make money a different way. And that leads us to this. And this is what I'm so passionate about. All these young women and young men in the music and TV industry a lot of them don't actually have a lot of other skills. I'm going to say that again, and I'm not an asshole for it. A lot of them don't have other skills and they've never really had to do anything because they're amazing God-given talent. They work very hard. It's a job. It's hella hard work. Yeah. The problem is that eventually you become a slave to that and a slave to everybody up there and the higher ups. And, and it is what it is. And, and also, frankly, you become a, a slave to your fan base mm. because at any moment you can say something that someone or a group of people don't agree with and your career is over because they decide it's over. What I realized was it wasn't just what was going on between older people and younger people. It was the type of control and literally modern day slavery that was happening. And I was like, there is no way that I'm this fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are ways to make millions of dollars. There are ways to help children donate to charity. There are ways to enjoy my life. There are ways to live overseas and see other things beyond writing songs and music and, and doing TV and film and stuff. Like there's more to life than that. And there's ways to tap in and find the money. And not to like super toot my own horn here, but I dove into other sources of income, CBD, marijuana investments, growing uh, marijuana and CBD in fields. I invented a skincare line with a partner. Um, we, you know, it, it didn't fully work out in the end. It was a startup, but, you know, we had a contract to be in up to 250 dispensaries. I started real estate. I got my real estate license. Then I went to broker school low key on the side and didn't really tell anybody so I could learn about brokering deals and investments. And then I started investing in real estate in my early 20s. Really interesting concept that I just want to drill into a little bit. Yeah. And that's the concept. I think you're absolutely right. I think there is this um, this real disconnect between young talent that is almost exploited and you can look at that through sport through you know in, in the uk it's things like football or other high-end sport or tv films movies that sort of jazz and that complete disconnect to this is a person that we're going to bin off at the end of this film this series when they're 23 and they can't play mainstream sport anymore we're just going to kick them into the long grass and actually, we haven't, we've taken them at such a young age, haven't upskilled them in any social way, 
and then we dump them out. They might be frightfully wealthy and they might be frightfully no well known, but actually they're shit at doing anything else other than what we've just exploited them to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I I have to say, like, I'm very grateful and humbled that God and the universe and Mother Earth gave me some really decent coping mechanisms. Mm. Because frankly, a lot of people, and we see this, I mean, I'm not going to name any names, but there's quite a few females from my time that were around from like Disney and the other girls and stuff that like are really struggling mental health wise right now. Mm. Um, you see it on TV, you see it in the other podcast interviews, you see the stuff on the internet, you know, um, and it's scary. It's really, really scary. Um, and I think to myself, what if I wouldn't have had the mentors or the resources or the mental wherewithal to continue on, you know, I, I it would have been really, really bleak. You know, I, I think about that quite often as I see things on the internet and the media. Do you think as you, as you, as you encounter people, either clients and, and, and people you help, or when you see somebody who you were 20 years ago, or do you think there is a, an intrinsic lack of work ethic or wanting to work relentlessly hard in people today? Yes, today. It's horrible. We laugh about it all the time in our office. Um, and when we do board meetings, we, I'm like people, I mean, you can't cancel me at this point in time, literally uh, the music industry canceled me already. So I'm not cancelable at this point in time. I always say that um, Gen Z or whatever the hell you want to call it, or like the Gen X or whatever the fuck it is like, uh, these people and 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 actually it it now bleeds into older people because I have I've had clients who think that just by working with me and having my energy is going to make them go viral overnight. Uh -huh. <laughs> Big mistake. Um, but yes, a lot of people think that they are that freaking interesting. Like I'm not that interesting. That's why I'm not as famous as other people because I'm not as interesting or maybe I don't provide as much shock value or whatever it is like I'm self-aware enough to know there's a reason why whatever right why I have my small like micro influencer uh audience well here's the thing a lot of people are also not that interesting like me but they're convinced they are mm -hmm. okay so they think that it's just gonna they're gonna start a YouTube channel or whatever and it's just gonna be whatever now um I'm not saying that's that's not possible. And I'm not saying the power of prayer and manifestation doesn't work. So like, don't everybody in the woo-woo community fucking come for me there. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, like it realistically, it takes consistency. I tell people this all the time. I have a lot of people who ask me all the time, how did you do this? How did you do that? How are you this? How did you do that all before 35? Mm -hmm. Going to bed early, not doing a bunch of drugs, not partying that much, making my bed almost every day, yeah. doing the right thing even when I don't feel like it. And when I know nobody's watching, literally telling myself every day, people are watching you. God is watching you. You need to be watching you, what you're doing, what you're saying. And that's really how success comes. And a lot of these people just don't get it. It yeah. takes work. It's discipline. It takes consistency. And again, I say this all the time. It takes doing the shit you don't feel like doing when you don't feel like doing it. And, you know, it takes doing the right thing and making the right decisions, even if nobody's looking at you. It's amazing because the message I it's the message I give all the time is that leadership or or influence or, you know, seniority in any walk of life doesn't come without absolutely grounding what your lifestyle is, what your life habits are. 
you know, it's the life I lead will be the leadership you eventually exude. So you're right. It's in those it's in those daily habits. I tell my nine year old daughter, make your bed every morning because that's the work ethic that is going to take you through life. I think that's really important. And and I'm guessing you a little bit like me find that there is this huge void of just that basic self-discipline in the world at the moment. That's it. It's basic self-discipline is the number one. But the other one is also no one was taught coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. Now that I could go into that for days. That's that gets a little deep into how like now we're all set up, you know, to kind of for failure and how they really, especially over here, want two people working households. I mean, the nuclear families going down the tube. And it is what it is, you know. Um, what do you think people are trying to? What do you think people are trying to cope with? Give us what they're coping with, you know, because we talk about coping mechanisms all the time. Yeah. So let's start with. Unfortunately, over the past, you know, let's just be real. Twenty-five years, we've seen an insane rise in cancer, health issues, uh, autoimmune is the number one, and then like you know, when it comes to kids, now we're seeing insane amounts of of autism and other you know, disorders or whatever is going on. And um, again, nobody come for me here, but it is what it is. It's true. It is what it is. There's so many more things and diseases now that this weren't before. Why is the depression and the non-coping happening? Couple different things. It's a compact issue. The food we're being fed in the US, and don't worry, I will not go into this whole deal, but the food we're being fed is bad. It is 100% bad. It is what it is. I don't have to even get into it. What does that mean? It means that the chemicals in our brain and our bodies are not being nourished properly. And what does that mean? Chronic fatigue, chronic depression, chronic anxiety. I haven't been fed right. My brain isn't having the right fats. Yeah. That's the number one thing we're doing, right? Okay, so it has to do with the diet. Then it has to do with Let's just be real. This whole like love yourself for you culture. You don't need to be healthy. You don't need to lose weight. You look great at wherever you're at. Yeah. What? You mean self-care and like being healthy went out the window just so everybody can feel comfortable with uh, not being healthy. Mm. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my fucking life. But it's, you know, if we say that, you know, we're, we're canceled. We can't yep. what, love is love. That's fine. Love yourself for who you are, but also love your own self enough to not want to die at 38. Yep. Like, yep. you know, and, and so people don't want to talk about that. Mm. And then the other thing I think that it comes down to is if you, if you aren't healthy and you aren't eating good foods and you are now on this vicious roller coaster of, you know, I hate myself or I feel anxiety or whatever. It's like, well, what's going on there instead of going, okay, maybe I should try to. And again, I'm not talking about losing weight here. I'm just talking about what you're putting in your body and what it does to you chemically. Yeah. At some point in time, you have to say, okay, I got to figure out what's going on within myself. Maybe I need to go get some labs from an alternative person who doesn't have any agenda. Okay. Maybe I need to do this. Maybe I need to start cutting certain things out to see what's making my anxiety spike. Am I drinking five to 10 cans of Coca-Cola or Pepsi a day? Maybe that's causing some problems. You know, my adrenals and my liver might be suffering. I don't know if anybody knows this, but there's how many tablespoons of sugar in every can you drink five to 10 cans a day. I mean, I don't know what you think would happen beyond anything horrible, you know? So <laughs> So it's like a lot of it comes from all the chemicals, not being fully nutrition, not having the right fats in your brain, because here's the thing. 
when your body is in like survival mode, your brain doesn't function right. And when your brain is starving, you go into anxiety mode. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and and it's like very hard to come down off of that, especially if you continuously aren't feeding it the right things. So that's going to be a problem no matter what. The next thing is this instant gratification. And we're yeah. giving it to our kids. Listen, my kids don't really have tablets here especially in Costa Rica, but we started this quite a long time ago in the USA. Um, My daughter has a refurbished iPhone that she gets some access to. And and my husband has like full reign over it. He can control it from any other device and all this stuff. Our little girl, Luna, she's three. She gets to watch Peppa Pig and do games on a blue tablet at night for a little bit. Yeah, We are extremely careful about that. Our kids are expected to go run, play, go in the pool, go to the beach, do all the things they should be doing. And they go to a private school that we spend a pretty penny on. Like they don't need to be getting instant gratification every day and they don't need to be on a tablet every day. And the other thing is like, I truly feel like the world has made it that parenting is basically illegal now. Mm. Everything is politically incorrect. Everything is wrong. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't spank your kids anymore or you're abusing them or whatever it is. It's like there's so much going on of people like having an opinion of how you should raise your children. And guess what happens? You just say because your anxiety, because you're not eating well, because you're probably working 40 to 75 hours a week, because God forbid the, you know, U.S. want mothers to stay home anymore. But I won't even get into that one. Um, I love to work and I'm an independent woman. So I'm not saying whatsoever that women should just be stay at home wives either. That is BS too. But I'm just saying they're definitely not trying to help any women stay in the home to care for the children. I can say that. Sure. But Anyway, so you have these men and women who are working 40 to 75 hours a week. Their bodies aren't being nourished. They're trying to be decent parents. And at some point in time, they go, fuck it. Here's a towel. Here's a phone. I'm so damn tired. I don't know what to do with myself. Yep. So all of that causes what we're having, what we're seeing right now within children and families. And um, I think it's really interesting you say that. And one of the things I think it, it, it manifests itself is and, and I people who listen to my podcast will go here we go it's on bleating on about this bloody thing again is I think how it it catalyzes itself is where do people find their genuine influence from you know what what is inspiring me now what is influencing now other than Netflix or the shit ads I see that come in the corner of my laptop when I'm on YouTube where am I finding my inspiration and I think this is going to you know, hit a peak where our only influence or inspiration comes from virtual, ordinary people who actually don't have a lot of talent, but have a lot of platform. Yeah. And I think that's going to be really detrimental to society. We've lost curiosity in each other, haven't we? Yeah. It's terrifying, actually. (laughs) It's actually terrifying. Um, And unfortunately, what's going to happen, and I'll be very careful how I tiptoe around this, eventually you're going to have to be probably very careful how you express yourself in the next coming years. You know, you know, I hate to say that, but that's just where we're headed. It looks like it is what it is. We've we've painted a picture where people will be driving to work, wondering whether to steer their car into the oncoming traffic or not, because it's all woe is, woe is. Now you work really hard. You've got these two companies up running successful both of them involve the word freedom and i know looking um at your website one of the things i loved 
in in one of your websites said my goal was to offer something i felt was consistently constantly missing from the marketing industry and that was heart and your ability to strategize and create a soul for brands and businesses which is unparalleled tell me about the absence businesses that are running that we see encounter that you see and work with where they are completely void of heart and soul it's one of my passions I work with a lot of leaders in business and I say the same skills you use as a husband, a wife, a partner, a son, a daughter, a brother, they're exactly the same skills you must use in leadership. It makes it human. It makes it tangible. It makes it heart and soul. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So one thing it it kind of came out of, I had a couple of people pointed out to me, uh, this was probably about five years ago when I started really heavily consulting and um, business consulting and strategizing, you know, for businesses, mainly women. And there was a gal out in Colorado and I helped her start her business. And she came to me with an idea, just with an idea. That was it. She said, I have a little bit of money, but I just have an idea. I said, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. I've helped file the LLC, helped with the paperwork, helped walk her through that, helped her get a tax person, helped her go and find funding to get the equipment that she needed, all these things. Um, She now has a seven-figure business. Um, And I helped her get the logo person. Then we built the social pages. Then we named the company. Then we thought of the brand colors. Then we did this. Then we did that. And she was like, you did that out of nowhere. And I just got, you know, you did that out of nowhere and I'm already making money. And she said, you got to like, you really got something there. Now, what I do anymore doesn't exactly look quite as simple as that. However, that's how it started. Um, And what it really, really comes down to is my music and songwriting capabilities and downloads and my ability to come up with amazing songs and lyrics and wording and slogans. That is literally what I still use in my firm. And that is why we're different. That's why we have heart. Um, I'll give an example. We had a client that came to us. or a potential client that came to us. And he was like, I do annuities and other things that are really boring. And we're having a massively difficult time selling shit. Mm. And I said, okay, well, do you remember JG Wentworth? Do you remember those commercials? I need cash and I need it now. Oh, or yes, whatever. yes, yes. Need some, some cash right. Yeah. And they they mastered like all these commercials and people were like, that is absolutely ridiculous and hilarious. And now I know what JG Wentworth is. I'm going to call them if I ever need anything like that. Okay. And the thing is, is I said, listen, do you remember those guys? And the guy was like, yeah. And I said, that's kind of your niche. Like, what if we did... He's like, because a lot of people run out of money and they thought they were going to have more money. They they retired and they don't get it. And this is like something that's a big deal. Like even without me trying to be a slimy like sales guy, this this was an older gentleman, by the way, not a young buck. He was like, people really F up and don't have money later on. Yeah. And they I've all the time. He goes, it's heartbreaking. And I said, no, I get it. So this is a big deal. Like, let's figure this out. So I said, how about this? Do you have a couple actors or people in your area? And can you hire a video crew and get a money gun? And you have people dancing in the money, like in near trees, because money tree, and you have a money gun and buy some fake money off Amazon and have it shooting out and have them dancing, dancing, dancing. And then the money gun runs out and then they stand and all the money falls to the ground and there's none left and everybody's looking around. And I created this whole commercial for them. The guy didn't hire me, which 
I thought he was going to, but he didn't. But, you know, uh, anyway, if you're watching this, man, I'm still here. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm still here ready to help you. Anyway, um, I uh, he was like, that's you just came up with that right now on this on this sales call with me. And I said, yeah, I mean, that's what we do. That is literally an exact example of what I do. I take my heart. I take my soul. I take the creativity that God and mother nature gave me. And I use that for slogans, for this, for that, for this, for that. We And, and last one is we had a client. Her ads aren't performing the best. Honestly, and if she sees this podcast, she's going to be like, I can't believe you did that. I mean, we're very close. She's too pretty. She's too pretty for the business she is. And we keep putting video ads out there and the, and they like are just looking at her. They're not <laughs> taking her seriously. So we had to do something else that was more monetary to, to show, you know, things. So we completely redid her strategy and we're starting ads different. And to be honest with you, I think the new strategy is going to be better because you know of of what we put into it and we decided to go to more like monetary you can get this for as low as blank a month right that's us putting effort into it instead of saying you know what let's keep throwing our money at it let's uh -huh. see what happens with the one forming right now no we gotta re-strategize this from all the different psychological perspectives of her potential buyers and see what's going on there. What is it? She's too pretty. Plus, there's no pricing there. They don't know how much it might be, you know? So things like that. Those are an example of really how we put our heart and soul into it. it it's a lot, you know? Do you find that businesses are generally lacking imagination, creativity, um, inspiration? More and more every day. There are times where, and I have to like really humble myself because um, I just, I just, sometimes I forget not everybody thinks the same way I do. And that doesn't mean they're not smart. Listen, I, I don't, I don't think the way other people do, and I'm sure they have great skills uh, that I don't have. But the bottom line is I realize more and more every day that I'm a little different and not the norm. And there's a reason why people aren't, you know, maybe making it as successfully as I maybe have in some ways. And it's because they don't have as creative of a mind. And I'm very grateful for that. And that is another reason why I like to help people and help them be that creative brain. And it's the message that people are relentlessly receiving is that, you know, different is not great. You know, exceptionally different is not great. You know, we all need to fit into this little, you know, particularly in business. There's a way to do business. There's a way to do business. And actually, a lot of that way is so dull and it's so dry that business, you know, people that yeah. people that have some imagination are classed as so different that people think they're a bit of a risk and you know and and this is i hate to say this but something that we've found is that a lot of times businesses aren't actually ready for our creativity mm -hmm. they can't even make their bed every day or get someone to post seven days a week for them or make themselves get a schedule poster or use a software that posts for them every day and spend two hours preparing it so that I'll actually, I'll kind of go into that because if there's any coaches out there that are going to listen to this podcast, don't make the same mistakes I have. Yeah, I've been really hella successful, but also made very stupid fucking mistakes. And one of them is giving my creativity and my multi-million dollar, billion dollar brain. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I have a billion dollar brain. Cancel me for it. Um, I have a billion dollar brain and some people don't deserve it or some people aren't worthy or deserving of it. And it, that is that absolute truth. You do too. You do too. You have a brain that is a billion dollar brain. Not everybody deserves to have access to it. And it's probably taking you your whole life 
just as well as mine to decipher who does and who doesn't. And I'm 35 just turned days ago. I'm still learning, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so that's the thing. Like we can have all this heart and soul and brain, but like what it really comes down to the coaching business and the mentoring business right now. And I know a lot of other coaches and mentors going through the same thing. They're really learning who is for them and who is not, mm-hmm. you know? And that's a really big thing. It's awesome for me and others to have these gifts, but what's not awesome is for us to give them to people who aren't willing to pay the correct price or pay when the invoice has been sent and the services have already been rendered. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's a really big issue in the coaching and mentorship. Um, you I know. spend a lot of time, you know, it's strange to say, cause I I've just this week gone and it closes tonight. I've had this online course for sale uh, just to help people start to look at their leadership. And you know what? I spend mm-hmm. my entire pitch trying to overcome people's automatic default position of objections. Can't do it. Don't have the time. Can't do it. Can't afford it. Can't do it. Haven't got the resources. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. And, and as a coach, you, you are spending your time trying to say to people, just look beyond the rim of this box to see this big world out there that isn't about the the space that you're in now. It's huge, isn't it? This default of, I can't. Mm-hmm. And they expect this extraordinary person to come along. As we spend our lives doing, he says, you can, actually, you can. <laughs> you, listen, cognitive dissonance is ruining lives, okay? Yeah. Yeah. I talked about this like maybe last week or the week before. Cognitive dissonance is the fucking worst. And you, it's so hard. And, and you know what it goes back to a lot of it? It ties in with that. I wasn't taught coping skills as a child. I don't want to look beyond this. This is too difficult. I wouldn't even know what that looked like when you, if you had it right in front of me, right? Those are all those things that you kind of run into. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate because again, it goes back generation to generation yeah. to generation how and what's going on in the home and, and, you know, and all of those things and how we're being taught to handle our emotions and how we see our elders handle their emotions and their situations, you know? Um, and so if the sky is always falling around the adults that were around, the sky is always probably going to be following, falling in our life. And when someone comes to us like you or me, we're like, no, 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 no. Um, yeah, I want this and this looks great, but the sky is still falling. Remember <laughs> it's like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's when it comes into like, I mean, wow, we're really on the spectrum here, but it's uh, it, it really comes into like breaking generational curses psychologically, physiologically and spiritually within your family lineage. And yeah. that is a whole other thing. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we could probably do a whole other podcast on. However, it's um, strange, isn't it? Because I'm very conscious of it. You know, I'm I'm one of. Uh, I'm the youngest yeah. of six children, and we're all adopted. My parents were we were known as when we were young as the United Nations because we're all different colors and breeds. And and mm-hmm. I always think my parents were incredible. The family I was brought up in is incredible, but every parent somehow damages their child. You know, I look at my daughter now, and I'm sure I must overcompensate for some aspect of what my parents brought me up to do. I compensate, mm-hmm. overcompensate with my daughter, and it's really important that. All we do is, and all I do as a coach in many ways, is equip people to actually look at the yeah. various different uh, mirrors in front of them and images in front of them and and give them enough intuition, passion, excitement, individuality to know where they feel comfortable in convicting themselves to. Would you believe that's a, a fair comment? 
Absolutely. And that's literally how I live my life as well with my husband and my children. Um, I'm very, I try to be very careful. Um, if I'm ever doing anything that my husband is like, Hey, you're kind of like kind of barking at people today. I'll be like, okay, is it me? Or are my kids really, or is it a mix or what's happening here? Or, um, one thing I do, um, and this is a method that I just, um, maybe it's actually a method that's called a thing and it's obviously, I'm sure it's already invented, but I, I didn't learn this from anyone. I just did it because I said, okay, this is just how it needs to be. Anytime my baby comes to me, it doesn't like now it doesn't matter how tired I am or what's going on. Every time my little girl comes to me, even if she's like crying about something that like she really should not be crying about, which two and three year olds do that, you know, Uh I will immediately think to myself, right? (laughs) Like what is wrong now? You know, and instead of saying that or treating my daughter like that i'll be like flip it exact opposite flip it to the exact opposite the Mm -hmm. full other end of the spectrum and literally make yourself be loving now i'm gonna say that very carefully or i'll preface it it's not that i'm not fucking loving it's that every mother knows that when you are touched the fuck out okay and we all know what that is you are just simulated out cooked three meals you've done this you've done that if you're a mom and you work so you've worked cooked you've done 15 jobs right you are touched out you want to be left alone i get there too but instead of me being like like what what do you want you know like and i let's be real there are people who treat their kids like that on a regular basis yeah um you know there are or worse just go to the supermarket and, and you see it yeah you see it yeah um but i'll be like what's up baby what's going on? Like, what do you need? You know, like, or I'll do the full, like, Hey baby, like what's up. And guess what happens? Her reaction is way different. It's way, way different. And guess what? If I want her to be okay, if I want her to be soothed, if I want to understand what's going on or for her to be like, okay, I'm being heard. I cannot be so much on the defensive. Now, Am I a perfect parent? No. But am I self-aware enough to work on those things and, and successfully complete them usually every day? Yes, definitely. And, and there's this, you know. there's this um, really weird acceptance that I can do exactly what the hell I like in this situation. I'm going to react exactly how I want because it will be okay because I say sorry. Right. And that's completely different to actually I'm going to just take two seconds here and think about what I'm going to do next to avoid that. Yes saying sorry because yeah. saying sorry doesn't always solve it stopping yourself doing it will solve it and that's where we come back to what are my self-disciplines what are my life habits what are my life reactions how am i in control of my emotions yeah the other thing is and this is actually um pretty interesting because a lot of people are like well um i don't want to have to teach people how to treat me okay well you have two options you either leave them or you stay and you show them how you want to be treated and um, you assess and audit and evaluate if people are doing it. Now, I'll give you an example of where you can't leave your kids. You also can show them how to treat you. Um, Since we moved to Costa Rica, there has been like new schedules. The kids don't have school on Friday at the private school, like other things of that nature. Um, They get out at two or two 30, other things. Right. And they have a lot of more free reign. They don't, they don't start school officially till the 28th of August. So they have several days left till full school starts. We told them after we we have a live-in chef and a nanny and or au pair. 
And we told them, you know, you guys have a lot of help. You have a lot of love. You have a lot of attention in this home. When the chef is done with um, lunch and dinner, you will clean up after that. Okay. You will start to sweep the kitchen floor and the living room floor, and you will start to do these things um, because I'm not going to clean, sweep, mop, scrub, disinfect the toilet. I'll be honest with you. I'm a very cleanly, cleanly person. And I personally <laughs> believe cleanliness is next to godliness. I make sure that our floors are swept and mopped several times a day, seven days a week. And I'm not, I'm not messing around. I also make sure that the toilets are bleached three to four days a week and that the bathrooms are clean three to four days a week. I'm talking the full on clean, the full Monty. Okay. <laughs> because I believe that if a home is like that and we have discipline like that, our family is going to run better. Okay. We're going to be better mentally. All right. And it's and it's, it's the belief that these things don't happen automatically. Why is the bathroom clean? Because we've cleaned it. No, so now we're in this whole phase um where I'm introducing them into laundry as well, more and things of that nature. And here's what's been happening. They kind of look at me weird. Sometimes they think they're in trouble or like I'm mad. I'm like, you guys understand that these are things you're gonna have to do when you when you get older, right? And if you don't do it, the the trash and shit will pile up on the floor. It'll be disgusting. You'll get mites, you'll get maggots, you'll get lice, you'll get all these things. You understand that that's actually how that happens a lot of times, right? People not taking care of themselves, not having hygiene, like not being taught these things. I'm like, what what are we doing here? You know, um, so we're doing that with our kids literally right now. Um, and they're how old? Uh, three, eight and 11. Absolutely. I've got a nine-year-old. I do exactly the same. That dishwasher will not fill itself, will not empty itself. That bedding is not going to cut off that bed and get in the washing machine on its own. Yeah. If your children start moaning, Caitlin, get them to be a pen pal with my daughter because she's doing exactly the same thing. Quite right. And um, like, oh man, here's a good one. Uh, So because my kids aren't allowed to have like a bunch of devices and be on stuff, they tried to sneak it. My oldest, my 11 year old now, thank God she is into only appropriate things. She's obsessed with Harry Potter. She's obsessed with the, the riddles of the maze runner and other things like that. She's not into boys really like, thank the Lord. Um, well, I think she thinks Thomas from the maze runner is cute, but you know what I mean? <laughs> but she snuck an old iPhone and logged into CapCut and an old kid's TikTok account to be able to make edits and post her edits of Harry Potter and the Maze Runner. Wow. Because she wanted to be a famous Harry Potter Maze Runner video editor. Amazing. Listen, I it could be worse. Uh-huh. It could Come be- on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's why she's grounded right now is because she snuck an old iPhone. I found it folded up in a bath towel underneath the sink <laughs> in, in vanity. An old my my old iPhone that we brought from the US. And um I said, Callie, what's what's going on here? And she's like, I I wanted to make edits for the maze. <laughs> You're right. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah. It could be way worse. So I'm cool with it. <laughs> for people yeah. listening, Caitlin, who know you work with um women and people to bring around some authenticity about themselves, people listening to this who really are on the the spectrum of not being able to cope with everyday stuff. You know, we're talking about people that are anxious about their relationships, anxious about being miserable at work, anxious about parenting and are they failing? What We know some of the triggers to that. What are some of the counteracts? What, yeah. what can they do to start saying, right, 
from tomorrow, Absolutely. I'm going to change this switch and I'm going to start leaning into this. Give us a couple of examples where people can, can change this without a long process of expensive therapy or I need to get a coach and a life coach. You know, what can they do tomorrow morning? Absolutely. So the, the next thing they can do tomorrow morning is when they wake up, instead of picking up that phone right away, you're going to have to take some time to ground. You don't have to be super hippy dippy. You don't have to believe in ghosts and the woo woo. You don't have to do shit. If you're just like this person that's like, I only believe in science. Okay, fine. Fucking breathe. Breathing <laughs> is science. Shut up. You need to take time to breathe. You need to take time to let your body oxygenate um, and all of these things. And it's little, little, little things to start because I'll be honest with you. Most people can't just do a whole life change. All right. Somebody like me. Yeah, I can change overnight because I have that type of discipline. I've done it. I've rapidly lost, you know, seven pounds in the last 11 days on this new diet. But not everybody's like us. And that's that's why we're on this 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 podcast, man. You know, it's like not everybody's like that. So how do you how do you do that? Well, you don't grab your phone right in the morning. Number one. Number two, some water that is lukewarm with a little bit of Celtic salt. The number one thing most people are lacking is fats for their brain and salt and sodium for the brain. The right type of sodium, the right type of things you need are in Celtic salt. You need to be getting up, grounding, taking deep, deep breaths, thinking positive things in the morning. Whatever that looks like for you, you figure that out. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, affirmations, tell yourself this. No, that's 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 the shallow work, okay? It's deeper uh-huh. than that. Your, your, your habits and the basic shit you do when you wake up um, physically is actually first what's going to help change your mental. A lot of people don't get it. A lot of people don't get that. They think that it's fully, fully the whole mental. Your mental is usually fucked. So yeah. why do you think your mental is going to get you to where you need to be? You got to start physically making yourself do shit, faking it till you make it. Absolutely. And then get your cells of your body tell your brain things and it changes the way you think. So everybody's like, Oh, I got to make a mental change. I'm going to make a mental pivot. Can you make a physical pivot first? Can you physically get up and not hand and not pick up the phone with your hand? Can you physically get up and go ground and put your feet in a hole in the ground for 10, 20 minutes in the morning? Can you physically go drink a whole thing of lukewarm water and physically take your hand or go to the store physically and buy the Celtic sea salt to prove to yourself and show yourself that you're worth feeding your body the sodium special that that it's probably not getting like these are some of you listeners are like well that's fucking stupid no it's not the fact that you have to do these basic things is fucking stupid like (laughs) yeah you know And I'm kind of joking, but also being serious. Like, so those are the things. Wake up. Don't touch the phone right away. Get the lukewarm water. Sprinkle the Celtic salt. Stretch. If you don't want to work out, you can't work out. You mentally aren't prepared. Again, mentally, why would you think you'd be ready to just wake up and work out? You haven't done it in how long? Why would that be a thing? You physically need to learn how to stretch then. Are you stretching? Are you breathing? These are the basic things that people and 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 I'll kind of end with this if you aren't breathing fully and most people aren't their breath is staggered or and and especially women when they get nervous they half breathe I know because I do it I half breathe all day do you know what happens when I half breathe all day my anxiety is through the roof why because I'm not getting enough fucking oxygen to my brain yeah we are not usually getting enough oxygen to our brains because we're not breathing, stretching, or moving enough. 
Yeah. And honestly, what that leads to after years and years and years is chronic illness and dis-ease. So those basic things can change your life. Um, because going and trying to do all this other stuff is like not realistic if you can't do the few things that I just said there, you know? It's starting your day with intention, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's not being a Absolutely. victim to circumstance. It's not getting out of bed, knowing that you haven't had enough sleep because you couldn't be asked to get off the sofa and go to bed in the first place. And it's starting yeah. that day thinking, here we go again. And you've got to break that cycle. It's living intentionally. And that's a huge revelation for people, isn't it? Yeah. Listen, I had um, I had an old client a while back. I paid out a lot of labor, paid out everything. It got me into like twenty eight thousand dollars into labor, paying out. You know, thankfully I make enough money to be able to get in debt like that. But um, they only paid me a portion of that. Okay, and when I came for the rest of the money, they told me to f myself. And they actually said in the email, "You're a millionaire, so this shouldn't hurt that bad." That actually was a really horrible thing for someone to do to me. And guess what? I didn't, for a whole week, I was like, what am I going to do? Like, what do I do here? You know, do I sue these people? I should, I should sue them. You know, um, do I, what do I do here? Do I just get over it? I didn't want to do anything for several days, but I did it. And eventually I got over and guess what happened? I landed tons of new business, tons of new clients who were happy to work with me. And people who actually had a work ethic um, because these people weren't actually doing what they needed to be doing. Um, so anyway, um, if if there's like people listening and you're like, oh, but I this, but I that, I lost 28,000 fucking dollars. <laughs> yeah. And they pay me like a very small portion of that. And I will never get that money back because my my employees and my contractors all deserve to be paid. So they got paid out in full. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And like, if you think that I wanted to like skippity doo dah on the beach that day and shit, you're very wrong, you know. Yeah. But I got over it. I prayed for them. I know that they're probably going to have massive issues and probably not make a lot of money. That's unfortunate. I mean, karma's the bitch. You know, yeah. it is what it is. Um, <laughs> you know. But if people think that like everything's rainbows over here, it's not always rainbows. It's not no. always rainbows. No. You know. No. But no. that's. That's the, that's where you show yourself and the universe and God that you have faith. Like I can do this. This happened. What did I learn from this? I learned that I don't actually want to offer that type of service anymore. And if you want to work with me, you have to do one-on-one and that includes a one-on-one with me in Costa Rica. That told me that I don't want to do this, this, and that because it attracts really shitty people. And there are a lot of them about, yeah. Yep. So you learn, you learn, you learn. You can't sit and go, why me? Why me? Why me? Go, why this? Yeah. Why did this happen? Yeah. You know, look at it that way instead and, and, and cry about it. Kick scream. I just made a post about this the other day. Do whatever you got to do. I've been there, done that, but don't dare give up, you know, yeah. don't dare give up. What a message. What a message. What, what is coming up for you? I know you've got a book. Tell us briefly about your book. I have a book coming out. Um, I'm working with an amazing team and publishing team. Um, I'm actually working with a amazing guy um, who mentored a lot of the sharks from Shark Tank. Oh. I'm probably going to keep the secret for now. Um, however, they are helping me get my book done. Um, unless it changes, my book is uh, My Cinderella Story to Seven Figures. 
Um, and obviously, um, I did a lot of music work when I was younger, and I wrote the theme song Friend, track 10, on the Hilary Duff movie, A Cinderella Story. Oh, so I wrote and sang okay. and worked for Universal Records and did the Disney song there and et cetera, et cetera, for the movie. Um, and I really wanted to kind of just talk about what I went through in my life and how I got to seven figures and and um, the consistency and the discipline that it took. So I am excited. We are in the midst of writing it right now. So yeah, my Cinderella story to seven figures. We'll let you guys know when it's on Amazon and for purchase and all that fun stuff. Fantastic. And you've just been judging um, in season seven. Tell us about that, the blocks. Uh, yeah, season five and seven, um, Wes Bergman from The Challenge, really cool guy. He has a show called The Blocks. And I did season five and seven as a judge. Um, amazing. It was a great experience. There's a lot of people on reality TV. Is it as fun as it looks? Yes. TV is always fun. It's always <laughs> fun. And it's reality TV. So you never know like what's going to happen or what's going to whatever, what's going to pop off. Like um, the show is super beautiful. It's amazing. Wes is the coolest guy ever. It's it's the whole thing is great. That's brilliant. Fantastic. Caitlin, I really appreciate it. Give us Give us a glimmer of um, something that inspires you that we can take away with us. I always like people that um, are guests at the microphone with me to to give a message uh, to people that listen that, you know, you are you are clearly infectious. I love talking to you. Your passion is contagious. Um, and I and I think it's really important that people, when they end this podcast, go away with a thought that. Yeah, you know, it's not that shit. Life is actually quite good. Give us something that inspires you that we can latch on to. Absolutely. Um, so I would say that picture this, all right? Your leg is broken into 13 pieces. You've been in a wheelchair for over a year. You've left your music career because Hollywood is absolutely horrible. And you're going to start all over again. And you're doing chemotherapy. That girl is me. Wow. <laughs> and I wanted to give up. I had to learn how to drive a car in a, with a wheelchair, how to take care of my newborn baby in a wheelchair because I got sick. I was doing chemo. I was living in LA. I was working for the labels, all these things, right? I remember not wanting to get up every day because I had a leg that didn't work anymore. I was in a wheelchair. I had a newborn baby. I was like, what the hell has happened to me? Like, I'm this amazing writer. Like, what is going on? I'm dying, dying, right? I literally said to myself, no one's going to bathe you, but you, no one's going to get you in the wheelchair, but you, no one's going to take care and breastfeed this baby, but you, no one is coming to save you, but you, Yeah, you know? And like, I know that's not the most fun advice, but like, here's the thing to everyone who's listening to this. You have to realize you're worth saving. Yeah. You have to love yourself so much that you realize that you're going to save yourself. It's deeper than that. It's deeper than just the saying you have to save yourself. It's you have to love yourself enough to save yourself. And honestly, like that's really what it comes down to. I loved myself enough and saw enough in myself despite every bad thing I was saying to myself to say, this can't be the end. This isn't what that looks like. I know that this isn't what that looks like, mm. you know? And I think that it's really, really important for people to, to love themselves enough to say, I'm worth fighting for. It's worth the discipline. The consistency is worth it. 
what I have the potential of having and the potential life that I can have, like I'm worthy of that. And if we would just wake up and realize how fucking worthy we are, a lot of these problems would fall by the wayside. What an amazing message. Listen, I I am looking forward to reading, listening <laughs> and learning more about who you are and where you've come from, because I think you're just so passionate about life generally, not by I'm not passionate about making more money. I'm not passionate about being more important. I'm not passionate about, you know, being more famous. I'm passionate about just getting up and living my life and being the best version of me every day to my husband, to myself, to my kids. And, you know, in this hour that I've sat and chatted to you, you've been an incredible inspiration to me. So thank you very much. Thank you so much. That means so much to me, truly. Yeah, it's been it's been amazing. I can tell your journey has been uh life changing and you have a you know you have a responsibility to make sure that you continue to infect people and be contagious to people with that love and passion just for bloody life itself yeah just for that gift of getting out of bed and putting your feet on the carpet and saying wow i'm me and i am as you said worthy of saving myself so thank you very much thank you so much for having me i appreciate it so so much let's stay in touch please if um if people want to get in touch with you, Caitlin, can I point them towards your website where there is everything there Absolutely. that they will need? Absolutely. If um anybody would like um you know life coaching mentorship, um it's very beautiful, very intimate. We have a wonderful time. Um, it includes you coming to Costa Rica with me for a week one on one, and we put you up and you get taken care of. Um, and then we we work throughout the entire year together. Um, you can go to yourfreedommastery.com. Again, that's yourfreedommastery.com. Uh, um, you can also find us um, by simply going to uh, www.freedomautomations.com slash number one on one. And um, we would absolutely love, love, love to talk to you. Also, if you find me on social media, Caitlin Lemus Portillo, my team is in all the DMs. So feel free to DM. You'll get somebody to take care of you there as well. What an incredible, honest, open conversation that was. And I don't know what you took away from it, but I took away so much. Primarily, I took away every day you decide that you are worth saving. Get up and consciously, intentionally start the day with positivity, with intention, with proactivity. Why? Because you're worth saving. And the other thing I took out of this was Caitlin's continual phrase, I worked really hard. I worked really hard. I expect hard work. I know this is going to be hard work. And can I urge you all in whatever leadership role you're in, whatever fellowship role you're in, in order to see results in any aspect of your life, you are going to have to work hard. Get a work ethic. Teach yourself the disciplines of work ethic teach your children work ethic instill into your partner your husband your wife work ethic make sure that you hold your leader accountable to working hard you know work hard because then you will discover that you are worth saving caitlin it's been incredible i've i found a new soulmate in 
those days when I feel a bit downhearted, I'm going to listen to this podcast and remind myself that, you know what, life in itself is a gift. The fact that I've woken up and drawn breath is a gift. The fact that I could put two feet on the floor that I swing out of bed is a gift. Well, I wish you all the very best. Have a fantastic week. Keep in touch. If you've got anything you want me to talk about, then please email us at admin at eaglecoach.business or get on the website www.eagletransformation.coaching.com. Have a great week. Until next Monday, if you're in leadership, be kind. If you're in fellowship, be resilient, be patient, be passionate, and follow with all your heart. And I will see you again next week. Thank you very much for tuning into the Life I Lead podcast. I really hope that something resonated with you today. If there's one thing I want you to remember, it's that you are also capable of being an inspiring leader. So I invite you to be fully present and fully alive to situations that may call you to step up and lead. As I say to everyone on my coaching courses, tell yourself aloud every day, I am enough. I am influential. I am a leader. Join us again next week on Monday at 7 a.m. And between now and then, remember the words of Eisenhower. You don't lead by hitting people over the head. That's assault, not leadership. <laughs>